Yes, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mark Lewington to the Chasing Discomfort podcast. Mark, thank you for coming on. Really yeah. looking forward to um, diving into this conversation. But before we do, as always, what does it mean for you to just chase discomfort and why? Um, for me, um, it, it's sort of self-improvement, really. Just always trying to be better. Um, like when I, when I go in the gym, um, I just want to get fitter and stronger. And, and that's, that's always been the same. Um, I turned turn 50 and then I thought I need to be stronger this year than I was last year. Then you hit 51. I'm like, I want to be, you know, I'm, I, I always keep records. So, you know, I, I know what I'm deadlifting, squatting. I'm thinking this year, let's go up a bit. So yeah, for me, chasing discomfort is literally that self-improvement, just trying to get better and better. <laughs> And I know at my age and as you get older, you, you, you're sort of, if you're staying the same, that is improvement because your body's always on the decline. So, yeah, self-improvement for me. And I've got to say to all our audience listening, go and check Mark's Instagram page out. We will put a link in the, in the body of this podcast. But for 51, Mark, like, um, are you sure you're 51? You're not 31? Yeah, def definitely 51. <laughs> and and it's an area that I wanted to to get into because you know the 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 notion or the belief is and you know, once you get to a certain age you're, you you can't build muscle or you know your metabolism slows down and you can't do this and you can't do that and we're sort of told from from peers and maybe people before that you know we're, they're just brushing off their excuses onto us and and clearly you know you're you know you're a you're a fit strong guy and i just wanted to know like are you still pb and now are you you know are you still getting personal best records in, in lifts and stuff or i i i got a personal uh like what well, lifetime best on bench um i think it was actually i think it was this year i, I did a 130 and my, my best before that was 125 hmm. So I, I had trained uh, sort of for the PB, should we say. So, you know, I've been building the reps and the weight up. Um, yeah, so I'm, I am still PB. Yeah. You know, I, I know 130 is not massive for, for a lot of people, but I, I was well chuffed for that. Yeah. And look, I think in the current era with social media and, you know, you you can get into someone's life on a YouTube video or click on an Instagram picture. Like, and I've, I've said it before on this podcast and I'll say it again, comparison is the thief of joy. As yeah. long as you're doing you versus you and, you know, you're making progressions and, you know, you talk about the, the newbie sort of gains, you know, once you get into training, you're, you, yeah. you're on this crazy peak and it does <laughs> level off and plateau at some point. Yeah. Um, but I just wondered, you know, over your, your sort of lifetime of training, um, you know, how... It, how, if anything, have you had to change anything in the last sort of 10 or so years? Um, well, like, even though I sort of like tell my kids that I had weights in my garage when I was 14, 15, I, I don't really think I started training heavy, shall we say, until I was around 40. Right. So I missed out on all those strength gains in my, you know, 20s and 30s. I, I think that's meant to be the time when you gain the most strength, if you're going to get it. Mm. So I was sort of a late starter in training 
properly, should we say, even though I've, I have trained sort of all, all the way through my life. So I think that's a perfect little segue then to, to give us a high level sort of review of, of your life from the day you was born to, to now, and then we'll jump into your fitness journey after that. Okay. Um, so I was born in uh, Malden. My parents had moved from London to Whitton. Mm-hmm. So first um, 10 years of my life, I le- lived in uh, Whitton. Um, I played football as a kid. That was my, my sport. As soon as I could join a team, I, I joined a team. Um, then we moved to Braintree. So not far, but I went to a new high school. So I had to make all new friends. So immediately you're good at football, so you're in the football team and, you know, you get a load of friends just that way straight straight off, didn't you? Um, so, yeah, through school I played football and rugby. Uh, I was a sprinter um, as well, pretty quick, so 100 metres, um, I used to do that, and the long jump. Um, then when I left, left school, I didn't really do any sport um for a couple of years um then i started going to it, it's it's a uh what i call a big boy gym it was a real spit and store um spit and sawdust place in braintree called dave's gym and anyone in braintree will, will know about dave's gym and that was full of some big old lumps and then <laughs> me, me and a couple of mates used to go in there like pencil neck skinny little fellas you know, not really doing a lot a few bicep curls and bench press you know the the, the bro stuff really yeah. Um, and then I joined a a Sunday league team, played for those. Um, not a ma- massively good standard, but, you, you know, you used to love that. Um, then progressed to Saturday football, so that was a better standard. And that's, that's really where I sort of um, enjoyed myself the most, really, from about 20... I was probably about 20 to... Yeah, about 20 years I played for the, for the same team. Uh, played for them, managed them, um, managed the reserves, you know, did everything at the club. We used to wash the kit. So, yeah, I, I used to love that. That was Gosfield, so not far from Bra- uh, Braintree. But, uh, yeah, loved playing for those. Um, what position did you play? Well, I started out when I was a kid as a, a tricky winger. Um, and then even as an adult, I was, I was always right wing because I was pacey. So I used to, you know... I was, you know, a um, bit like Andre Kincelski. It's a bit, bit head down. Uh, not, not, I didn't have a great, um, you, know, you know, these players, you get their head up and have a good look around. I didn't really see that picture. I was, it was all about me and, you know, <laughs> hogging the ball really out. out of the um, and then I spent a couple of seasons in the centre of midfield. And then the, re- the whole rest of the time I've ever played football, it's been up front, scoring the goals. Found a skill that I could put the ball in the net from quite regularly. Hmm. Yeah, as a centre forward, really. And for someone who's never scored a goal in like a competitive match. Oh, really? Uh, now I I have, but I'm just trying to not a lot. I've got to admit it's probably because I was like um, I was either right back or I was centre mid, like a defensive sort of oh, centre. Okay. So I'd just do the try and win the ball back and just play the easy balls and let all the boys do all the fancy step overs and <laughs> the halfway line. I'd leave that to them. Um, but can you just describe to our listeners, to someone who's maybe never, ever scored like a, a goal in a competitive football match or got a last minute winner, 
Um, just sort of describe that feeling to me. Well, for me, like, I, I, um, how, how do you describe it? It's just, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, it's, just, me, it's, it's just like an outpouring of emotion that you don't really know is there until the ball hits the back of the net. Yeah, and, I, I just, I just loved, loved scoring. It, it didn't matter if it, if it come off my backside, left foot, right foot, but yeah, I was, I was a sort of a, um, like a more of a dribbler really. Um, and then as I, as I got older, I, it was sort of, you know, I, I, even for a tall guy, I, I'm not that good in the air. So if I scored a headed goal, I'd probably more pleased with that <laughs> than anything else, if I'm honest. But yeah, I used to just love, love scoring goals. Yeah. It's, it's hard to put a, um, sort of a feeling to it really, but, uh, yeah. It's fun, fun scoring goals. <laughs> so what age did you finish your football? Well, I stopped playing um, for Gosfield at 40. Um, and then I bumped into a couple of older guys that I'd played with in the past who were then playing Vets football, which was up for over 35s. Okay. Uh, they said, you, should, you know, come over and see what it's like. And I'm thinking, ah, it's just going to be walking football. It's, you know, be rubbish. So I went over thought actually that looks looks good you know it's still competitive and um so I signed up and played for them um and yeah it was really good it, um we were playing against like I played against Teddy Sheringham all right but he was playing for a, a team called Old Maidonians run by the girl, uh, the guy that um was in Iron Maiden okay uh, it was people in Dick's playing, uh, there was quite a few sort of ex-professionals, in, you know, and you see them and they're just like still fantastic. Mm. That that was like a, oh yeah, I, li I like this, I like this face football. Um, so yeah, I played with them for about four years, but I kept getting an injury in my glute. I don't know if it was just, I was, you know, not football fit or I, I don't know, but I, I, it was annoying. Mm. Uh, so I actually stopped. I stopped at 44 playing football. Um, and then, um, yeah, that's, that's when I found CrossFit, found uh, CM2, really. Like my wife, Paula, was going. Uh, and I always said, I haven't got time. I, I, you know, I, I didn't really want to do it. But as soon as I went through, <laughs> through the door and, and did the um, foundations, I was, I was in love with it. It was just the best thing I'd ever found. That sort of replaced the um, competitiveness of the football. So, you know, chasing after people down the gym, chasing their scores and times and lifts. It's funny how, um, for me, I remember, I still remember my first CrossFit class and it was, I remember being there like quite early, looking at all these monsters just with barbells dumping everywhere. Yeah, the people, doing, people doing double unders and I'm looking around, I'm feeling really, really intimidated. And um, it was crash, bang, wallop, people running in and out, burping over this. And I'm just looking around thinking, fucking hell, like, this is a step up from the, the foundation stuff. Yeah. Um, and then at the start, you sort of, a lot of progression, you sort of, some early frustrations with getting used to all the different movements because there is so much to learn and so much to master and technique. Um, but once you sort of start building your form, and then you start seeing the weights going up and then you or you start seeing your times coming down or you start feeling like your reps are stronger um and then you once you've sort of got past that sort of stage it it got me exactly from from my football days to then 
trying to climb my name up that. And it was at the league table on the whiteboard, you know, how, how close could I get to the big boys? And then when I got close to the big boys, could I beat one of them? And then you'd beat one of them. And then, you know, could I win a workout for the day? And it, it, it um, if you're competitive and you've got that sort of edge and drive in you, like it's anyone who's not tried it, I'd recommend it 110%. I doubt, yeah. Yeah, I, I was disappointed I'd, I'd waited that long to, to start CrossFit, really. So, 44 starting CrossFit. Yeah. What What does your training look like today? Like, how would you describe it if someone was to sort of say to you from the fitness space, you know, what, describe your level of training, what What would it be? Um, well, I all, all my training is based around the, the big sort of strength moves, really. That, that's the cornerstone of, of what I get up to. So, uh, back squat, deadlift, bench press, strict press, uh, bent over row, you know, then big compound moves. That's that's really what I – I normally start a session with one of those um, and then build off it, depending on how, I, how I'm feeling, really. Like, a lot, a lot of the time I've written down what I'm going to do, and normally if I've written it down, I do do it. But obviously some days you're not quite feeling it when, when you get to that part of the workout, and I, I do adjust it. But, yeah, it, it normally start with a big, big compound move, um, then some accessory work to go along with that, and then normally some sort of wad that I've either created myself or seen someone else doing. I thought, that looks brilliant borrowed it and uh yeah i'll give that a bash and then um because i document everything i do i you know you, you go in there a week later and you think right it's back squat again just check my weights and then just sort of tweak tweak what i'm going to do you might it might be sort of this week we're going to go up a little bit or more reps and uh yeah just based off that really so a lot of it is, is just by feel what, what i fancy as well which is the, the good thing about doing your own programming yeah yeah so how long have you been doing your own programming for um well i left i left cm2 in 2018 uh but that that wasn't um anything uh i was i was i didn't go anywhere else my son um started playing football and they'd asked me to join the coaching team and it was just taking up so much time i wasn't finding the time really to get to the gym and you know get the value for money out of my membership so I stopped it and that's when I started doing like all my own stuff really 2018 so for last four years and um you've got some impressive setup um for a for a home gym it's up there with some of the top home gyms that I've seen how did how did that go for you was you just piecing bits of equipment over time or did you go sort of fall in and and, and go all out from the off um, like I've, I've always had bits in my, in my last house, I had a double big wide double garage and I had, I had lots of gear in there, but a bit more bodybuilding. I had um, like a multi gym that's now gone. Um, I had a boxing bag, which I regret getting rid of. So I, I, I saw you the other day boxing. I'm like, yeah, I need another bag. Such a good workout. Yeah. Um, but I got, I, cause I, I never had a, um, a power cage with safety bars and, um, so I never really uh, back squatted heavy uh, or benched past what I could, um, you know, manage to get back up on on the bar. Really, um, mm. and one day I got I got stuck under um, 100 kilos. It's on my chest. You, you know, you get it off all right, but it's a bit of a plaver. Mm. Um, and I thought, right, I need to buy something 
um, that can help me out here, you know, because I haven't got a spotter. And that's when I brought my power cage. Uh, and then from then, obviously, I started uh, back squatting heavier, front squatting heavier. And it was, uh, that was the best thing I brought, really. Yeah. Uh, so it started with that. Yeah. And then it's just been pieced together over the last, like, 10 years, I would say. Uh, so give us a rundown of some of the, the big pieces of equipment that you've got in your gym that you use throughout the week. Uh, but I've got all the concept two stuff, the rower, um, the bike and the skier. The skier is the hardest without a doubt for me. I don't know if it's my technique or, or whatever, but I definitely find that one, that one the hardest. Um, I've got the rogue rogue bike, which is, uh, that's absolutely brutal. If you, if you know yourself, didn't you? Yeah. Was, Horrible piece of kit. Yeah. Uh, yes. I'm all, I'm always in my cage with my bench. Um, I've got um, got some heavy sandbags that I like lobbing about, um, some dumbbells, kettlebells. Uh, I don't go on my uh, – like, I use my pull-up bar all the time. I love my pull-up bar. Um, don't use my boxes that much. Um, I had a nasty old um, – everyone's had a box jump injury. Um, I was doing doing a workout, and I think it was a it was high, high box jumps, and it was – Big, big volume and I looked up at the clock with just before the last one and then jumped and really sliced my whole shin up and I've never done that since I'm looking at the time thinking I'm finished yeah and that was that both both shins I've got a picture of it it's like from knee to ankle it's horrible wow <laughs> yeah yeah I think anyone who's um who's had a box jump injury to the shins can remember that pain and I've still got about three or four scars on over the pair of my shins from a couple of um, mishaps, shall we say. Yeah, I, I brought one of those, um, the soft plyo ones, but I didn't spend, because you can spend a lot of money on those. I, I brought one for about 150 quid, hoping yeah. it'd be okay, but it's not. It's um, it's like layers of foam inside. So if you jump on the, the lowest part of the box, it's pretty stable. But if you want to go 24 or the 30, it's... You've had it. You're going to go flying. It's a bit wobbly. Yeah, I'd like to try one that was, I don't know, more stable. Or I've seen, um, is it UK Supreme Fitness? They do one that's meant to be like quite heavy. Mm -hmm. Sample one before before I spend any money on it. I think. Yeah, I've been doing um, sort of moved more into like Olympic lifting um, program. Yep. And uh, after some on the days when you do these heavy back squats it wants you to do like a high your highest sort of plyometric box jumps okay yeah straight after the squatting yeah yeah, yeah. and um obviously because you've got the load of the heavy squat for your yeah. legs to try and jump up you, you feel really sort of like you know you can jump super high but um i think i've stopped around 40 inches at the moment because i've still got that little voice in the back of my mind that's saying Remember that time when you busted your shins up and you couldn't walk for a couple of weeks? And so what are you doing? You're putting weight plates on top of your box to get the 40 inches. Yeah, I've got two 25s and a 10. That gets me to 40 at the moment. So, um, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good around the 40 mark, but I just want to build a few more weeks before I crack it up to, you know, try and get closer to the 45, well, 50. That's, of it, that's sort of a smaller target to jump to as well, isn't it? So Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've had... Nine times out of ten, 
I'm I'm fine, but it's like towards the end sets and I'm getting a little bit fatigued. It might take a little bit longer between each jump because I know. How many how many reps is that for? Uh, five reps we're doing. Right after the back squat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it sounds good. You need some jerk blocks, Jay. Yeah. Do you know what I wanted to ask you about your power rack? That'd be a good jump on, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, because when you said you've been stuck under a bar a couple of times, that's happened to me a few times. And when you're on your own in your garage and there's no one around and you're, I've been like rolling. That's it. You just, you can roll, you've got to roll it or, and then tip it. And... Yeah. But I, I sort of roll it down to my hips. And if I've got the clips on, I can't tip the weight off. So, no. so I've been stuck a couple of times. And uh, yeah, there was one occasion where I, I didn't think I was going to, um, I thought I was going to be there a long time, but I managed to summon up the strength and wriggle out of it, um, which is funny. But where did you get your power rack from? That came from um, what the company I brought it from or the make of it. Yeah, the make. Oh, it's Powertech. Mm -hmm. Not sure if they're an American company. You can you can do it, put a few add-ons on it. You can put a uh, lap pull down on the back. Okay. Uh, and then my bench, it's got bits and pieces in it, so you could add a, a preacher or a leg extension. But I've, I've not bothered with any of that. I just wanted the uh, the rack, really, or the power cage, as it's called. Mm. When you set the um, the safety bars up, it's 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 really good. Like um, you can still go full range. You can still bring the bar right down to your chest without it touching. But then, obviously, when if it is too heavy, you just put it on there and you just you just crawl out underneath it, and you're nice and safe. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds a lot better than my options at the minute. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure if you're meant to squat in them, but I, I always squat inside my cage. And when I first got it, I um I was back squatting, and I thought, oh, I, I, I can just dump it off, but I hadn't set them up high enough, and it just bent the bar. So like, uh, it was it was only a cheap bar, like a fifty quid an Ollie bar. Yeah. Mm the bar so I've, I've learned, <laughs> learned my mistakes from there yeah i've been there um i was box squatting at the start of the year and um i, I can tap myself out sometimes when i get around a certain weight yeah and i told myself that morning i'm just going to ignore the weight and just tell myself that there's 80 kilos on the bar every time every time i jumped up by 10 kilos just 80 kilos lift 80 that's all it is body weight 80 kilos and um, I worked up to 160 and I had to sort of, I'd done one rep and I was like, wow, I can't believe how easy that felt. So I thought, I went, I'll F it. Like I'll, I'll try rep number two and try and get a two RM at 160. Was not coming up for love nor money. And I had to dump it. And behind me, it landed on the box. And same thing as you, it bent my bar and I was gutted absolutely gutted for days because um i've got a great big divot now in the box and then a, a bent barbell in the corner from what, where what bar was that it was a uh, again faster bar wow some some clever person on here would be able to tell you the physics of like it's traveled from your back like what 16 inches 20 yeah. the box but it's not weighing 160 then it's probably weighing three times that isn't it yeah yeah and someone said to me, because I, I power of the demo, I filmed it as well. Um, but he said, can you imagine if you'd put your hand back oh. in that box and your, and your bar had, had caught it? And I'd not even considered that. Um, so, yeah, even though I had to swallow the bill of a new bar, I'll, I'll take that over a, a so new one, set. A, a, 
because that's a good bar. Once that's bent, that can't be repaired. That's that's one for the bin. Yeah. Oh yeah. She's gone. She's gone to the scrapland, unfortunately. Yeah, that's nasty. <laughs> so, what, what height did you have your box when you were box squatting? Uh, Twenty inches. So one six. That's that's a good lift. So you yeah. did one. You went second one, and then it, it, I've. I've I don't know why. Like I should cut my losses. When it feels good, I should just be happy with the one rep. And then, but there's a little, the little voice inside goes, "Go on, do one more. Go on, you, you've got this." And then, I just got stuck in that midpoint. And I'll try and ride it out for as long as I can. But it just, I was going nowhere fast. Yeah. So um, I just had to dump and get out of there. But yeah, it, it didn't end pretty, unfortunately, for my bar. But and no, no other damage. So the box and, and the bar, no, nothing else got. Damage. Yeah, the box is good. It's got you know a little curve sort of chipped into it, but that's a bit like this tattoo of life on my box. So I think it's happy with that. <laughs> um, out of all the pieces of equipment that you've got, if someone said to you, Mark, I'm just setting up my home gym for the first time, what would be your recommendation for someone to go and get? Um, I'd probably say, um, can it, cardio or any anything, yeah? Yeah, absolutely anything, yeah. Um, I'd probably say a, a kettlebell, mm. a heavy kettlebell, or you know, or may, maybe not too heavy, maybe a thirty-two, maybe thirty-two kilo kettlebell. You can, you, you know, you, you can um, squat with it. You know, obviously all, all the swings, the snatches, you can walk with it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably say I'd probably say a kettlebell. Turkish get-ups. Oh god, yeah. I think I was talking to Damon about this because he he loves a, a Turkish get up, and I, 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 when you do them, it's one of those exercises. Uh, they're slow, aren't they? But you mm. so much, nothing makes you concentrate more than holding that lump of metal <laughs> face. <laughs> You're staring at it, and you as you get up, you know, not going to take your eyes off it. Yeah, they're so versatile. I think that's a great shout, you know, for anyone. Um... And you know, progress. Don't maybe start light if you've never done any sort of lifting before. But you know, you could do design yourself a little kettlebell complex. Oh yeah, the complexes. Yeah. And uh, there's loads of stuff online that you could you could follow. But start light, get get great form, and then just build from there. But yeah, it's a great shout, the kettlebell. Of all the um, concept two stuff that you've got, the ski, the bike, and the rower. What what's um, what's your pick? Out of those two, at three, sorry. Um, well, if I, if I had to use one and one only, it'd probably be the rower. Uh, probably because I'm I'm better on it than than the other two. Uh, but I do I do love the bike. The bike is fantastic. Hmm. Uh, the rower's definitely got its place. But yeah, I've I've quite sussed out. <laughs> like, I can't seem to go quick enough on the rower. Uh, sorry, on the skier. Like, hmm. Where I seem to have a change of pace on the rower and the bike, I can't seem to go. I, I haven't seen, I haven't sussed out how to go turbo on, on the skier really, other than just thrashing around. But I don't seem to have much, you know, the technique or the uh, the ability to hold that that pace for for you know that long. It's weird when I do uh, Miko's triangle, which is the the calories of ski row bike. Like the ski, I don't know if it's because it's first or because it's after the minute's rest. For me, the ski erg is, is the easiest part. Really? Yeah, yeah. Like um, I can do 
like a, a almost like a warm up sort of pace and get 14, 15 calories out on the ski erg in a minute and, and not really be pushing it. So what, what sort of pace, um, as in per 500, are you, are you going on the skier? Not not super fast, probably like around 150-ish, 155, something like that. Yeah, like I, I, can, I can hold the sort of 155 to the two minute, but I can't seem to get down lower than that, you know, for a period of time, really. There's a couple of things that I've I've noticed. Um, there's that once you get up to around about a thousand calories per hour, that sort of pace. Yeah. Like if you can just maintain that momentum and almost work in rhythm with the ski erg. Yep. Um, but then if you're trying to drag out or, you know, if you're getting close to your time and you want to get the calories in, if you really extend the, the handles almost down to the floor as far as it can go. Right. Um, it seems to just give you a little bit more in regards to your calorie output. Yeah. And I, I listened to something with, um, I listened to Matt Fraser's book a couple of months ago. And he was saying like about the different techniques when you're competing about sussing out how to, you know, manipulate the machines. Yeah. And he was saying when he got onto a concept two rower that um, he would do a really quick pull and then go all the way back and do a full pull as far yeah. as he could. And he said he would normally get him one calorie yeah. um, just within two pulls. And sometimes, you know, yourself, like you see the guys doing the sort of, um, you know, extended sort of motion with the rower. You might not get a calorie on there until you're six seconds in. Yeah. So, you know, he sussed all the machines about how to uh, sort of work them and get a score to his advantage. Like jump, jump start in the rower, isn't it? So, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. I mean, you know, the 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 rowers that you see, you know, some of the training that those guys do for the the Cambridge and the Oxford stuff, oh, the, the Olympic rowers, like the power output that those those guys generate is phenomenal. Yeah, they they hold um, that low, you know, pace or you know, sorry, the fast pace, if you know what I mean, you know, for so long, mm. you know, where the average person goes one thirty for five hundred meters, and then that that that's then finished. So they they yeah. do that. Half an hour, don't they? Yeah, yeah, it's phenomenal. You think like how conditioned they must be, and they're, you know, and they're not. You, you look at them, and they're just virtually hardly any body fat, but just powerful, packed out muscles because that every that explosive pull every single time. Yeah, I think I I, I heard um, uh, what's his name, Sir Steve Redgrave saying he's basically like picking a sack of potatoes from the floor above your head. You do you say. <laughs> You're, you know, it's uh, horizontal. Yeah. And you, you ask someone to, to lift a bag of cement from the floor to the seat, you know, just keep doing it. They, they, they're going to last about a minute, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. Go, go, go. What's, what's the bit of equipment that you've, um, that is your sort of nemesis, if you like, for want of better expressions? What's the one that you're still not quite mastered or every time just gets you out of breath? Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd probably say my skipping rope. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I can sit, I still can't double under. Well, I, I, I can double under, but it involves a single double, single double. I, I can't, I, I've strung them together in the past, but I, I've no idea how that happened. <laughs> so, uh, I think, like, when I do that, I'm holding my breath, so I'll, I'll have been skipping and then. <laughs> Um, so yeah, probably, probably been the skipping rope is definitely my nemesis without a doubt. Yeah, but that that should be top of my list 
come on, learn it, do it, and get that get that ticked off the list. So maybe I'll do that now, Jay. Now we've had this chat, and then when I speak when I speak to you in ten years' time, uh, I'll, t- <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you I've got them. When we come back for part two, when you're sixty-one, you'll be getting a hundred plus double unders unbroken every time. Yeah. So yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely my nemesis. The uh, the, the skipping rope. And I, I think that's like, um, again, such an accessible piece of equipment. It's cheap. Uh, if anyone's looking at building a, a home gym, if you used to grab a kettlebell and a skipping rope, there'd be some, you know, real, real tough workouts that you could you could get on with just those two pieces of equipment, easy to store, uh, you know, relatively inexpensive. So, um, you know, whilst obviously going to a gym, uh, training in the community, learning from coaches, being instructed, like, you know, there's definitely a lot a lot of benefits in that in today's sort of modern age where you know especially if you got you know career work family etc yeah uh, when when things get you know a little bit crazy you, you can only you can just walk out to your garden and go and do a, a we've only got to do a four minute workout for example like tabata 20 seconds on 10 seconds off i, I say to absolutely anyone if you cannot give me four minutes of your day to do 20 seconds on 10 seconds off for eight rounds yep. and you don't like finish that in a heap exhausted then you're not pushing yourself hard enough in that 20 seconds because that can be an, an absolute brutal sort of interval time timeline and you know i don't care someone can find four minutes in their day to go and um you know. it's not even four minutes oh it is four minutes of work isn't it it's always well, four minutes total but obviously you've got 80 seconds of rest in that. Yeah, that's right. You've got rest period in here as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but that goes very quick. <laughs> it speeds up as well, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, big time. Um, a couple of a couple of months ago, I'd done just Tabata press-ups as a finisher. Okay. And was just trying to sort of pitch the, the same amount of press-ups in each round, and I couldn't believe I was sort of... In the first 20. Oh, I was, I was plus 20 in the first sort of three or four, yeah. I think the last couple of rounds, like I, I, I think I fouled on nine on both rounds. Yeah, but one, once press ups go, they go, don't they? Yeah. yeah. And that, that ten seconds feels like three seconds when you get towards those last couple of rounds. Yeah. Um. So look, we've talked a lot about your sort of training and your style. Um. Something that I, I wanted to to dive into is, you know, have you had to adapt or do anything differently? um as as you sort of age i know you said that you know you missed out a lot on your 20s and 30s with your with your big boy weights with your sort of strength training but has there been anything that you've had to sort of adapt or change um not not really um i typically train every other day um so like i I haven't trained today trained trained yesterday I'm really, really aching from that. I'll probably do a bit of foam rolling later, but uh, so yeah, haven't, haven't done it, anything today. Uh, so I'll be, I'll be training. What's tomorrow? Thursday. I'm training tomorrow and Friday this week actually because I'm uh, booked in to go to the training design for their oh. cardio. Um, so yeah, I'm looking, looking forward to that. So yeah, th- this week it'll be one on, one off, uh, two on. Should we say? I might have been trained Saturday. So, but I, I don't. <laughs> train um more than three days in a row mm-hmm. we'll go monday to friday and have, have the weekend off but 
yeah, as far as aging and, and training, I, I, ju I just listen to my body, really. Uh, so I, I wouldn't say I, I've, I've sort of changed anything in, in the last 10 years as I've got older. Uh, so what what's your, you touched on it there with the foam roller, what's your sort of recovery techniques? What do you do to make sure that you can come back and train the, the sort of following day? I've, um, I've been doing cold showers since... 2017 about five years i read a um a men's health article uh i think they call it the james bond shower don't they that he does three minutes at the end of his shower to, so he's all alert and you know right. uh, to you know snap villains next but uh, I, they said do it for i think it was 30 days and you'll you'll, you'll do it for the rest of your life hmm. uh, I, I remember i remember having because i start off with the shower warm mm -hmm. Once, once, um, once I've washed myself, uh, then straight to the cold, and then, then you rinse yourself for, for two minutes. And I, me I remember the first time I did it; it's so painful. And like, you know, uh, I think I did it for about fifteen seconds, and then put the warm back on. And you know, you gradually build it up. And now I, I can stand under there at the end of the shower, have a conversation, and you know, it don't even feel like it's cold water anymore. I need, I need colder cold water. I think we've seen because I've been doing cold showers now since 2020, yeah. um, and I can tell before stepping outside what you know what the temperature is outside just based on the the water temperature in the morning. So at the minute, like any, anyone, I would recommend if you want to get into it, now's the time to try it because it's not really cold. It's it's sort of borderline lukewarm cold. Uh, what what do you reckon the temperature is that comes out your tap? I'm... Well. We got into a um, friend of mine. We went for a run on Sunday morning and he's got like a dip tank outside and we put two great big buckets of ice in it and that only brought the temperature down to 16 degrees. 16? Uh, it, and it, honestly, it felt lower than 16, but I trust his thermometer yeah. was, was working. So um, they say an ice bath is not an ice bath until you get to four degrees or below. Um, I've done a couple of two degrees ice baths and went down to the sea uh in in january shubruness and that was four degrees and that was, was Dave, shivering Dave. the whole way home you know like uncontrollably to the point that i was almost felt like i had to pull over because i didn't feel safe driving wow um but yeah there's there's been it, it's like anything it's like conditioning you know you wouldn't when I'm going to go and run a marathon straight out, you'd, you'd build up to sort of, you know, 18, 22 miles before you'd go in for your marathon. So you're, you're building up, like you say, the 15 seconds, the 30 seconds um, until your tolerance goes up. And But yeah, I, I, for me, I love the cold. Um, I love the, the way it makes me feel in the morning, makes me feel focused, alert. Um, I think it's got a lot to do with the adrenaline that's released. I think... The best feeling is, um, you know, you know, once you turn the water off and it's been so cold, you just feel, I don't know, you get that, it's like a, well, it's hard to describe, but I, I just feel amazing. So yeah. when you're out and your body's sort of warm, warming up again, it's, it's lovely. I like that bit, that's my favourite bit, really. Yeah, it's definitely a stimulus. Um, you, you definitely feel like um, there was... I can't remember what happened, but I think it was something to do with one of the kids and I had to jump out of the shower before I switched it to the cold. And then all that day, I just sort of felt a little bit off. Yeah. Just a bit tired and a bit... And then I sort of clicked. Ah, like I, 
I missed my cold shower. So in the evening, um, I try and do cold in the morning and then hot in the evening. Um, sometimes if I've had a workout a bit too late, I'll, I'll go cold as well. Yeah. Um, to try and bring your core temperature down quicker. Um, but yeah, I, I sometimes having a cold shower, especially in the summer, um, before bed helps me get off to sleep quicker as well. Yeah. It's like a, uh, like a tranquilizer, isn't it? Um, yeah. It really does knock you out. But yeah. I think a lot of people think it wakes you up, but it, it does the actual, the opposite to that. Yeah. I remember listening to, um, you know, Jason Fox, the yeah. SAS guy, he was, he had Wim Hof on his podcast and he was saying about, um, you know, he'd heard Wim saying that having a cold shower before bed was great for sleep. Um, and it was off the back of those two talking that I started playing with it. Um, I'd still like to try and get a sauna into my sort of recovery routine, but um, yeah, that's a, a bit of a pipeline goal for me to, to get that. I'm now thinking how much they run. It costs to run, you know, <laughs> electricity prices. Yeah. yeah, it's a big consideration. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so you got foam rolling, cold showers. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I foam roll a lot, really. Like I'll, I'll, um, I'll feel a little niggle uh, while I'm watching telly. Just get down on the on the carpet and roll. Um, I do, I've got a massage gun, so that gets, I don't use it that much, but if I've got a particular niggle, I'll give it, give it a bit of a pound in my doubt, and I find, I find that pretty good. Um, lacrosse ball for your feet and, you know, other, you know, tight muscles that you can, you know, lay on it and put some pressure on. Um, yeah, that's, like, I've, I've always been lucky. I'm, I'm quite flexible, so um, even if I'm... Um, Sort of feeling tight, I can always sort of find the the right stretch to you know sort it out. Really, mm. what about do you do any sort of stretching? Um, I, I only uh, I, I do um, the pigeon quite a lot. For, uh, my hips have been sort of uh, like through squatting. I feel like they they seem to get a little bit tighter. Massive mm -hmm. uh, amount. I'm not. Um, big on uh, warming up before I actually train. Like if I'm going to back squat, I'll, um, I'll warm up with lighter weights, but that's pretty much it. If, if I'm going, if, let's say for argument's sake, I'm going to be doing sets at 120, it'll be 60 kilos on the bar for five, couple at 80, couple at 100, and then, then we're in, we're working. So I ain't, I ain't got time to warm up, Jay. I'm used to it, so I've never really... Been, been big on warm-ups and you know I seem to be able to go straight in and, and get going and touch wood other than um, last week or the week before when I did my rib I, I, I very rarely get injured. So. Well that was going to be the next sort of subject to sort of discuss with you if, if you'd had any over the years any sort of serious injuries or um, you know stuff that you you've been carrying with so what's been the, the biggest injury to date for you? Um, the biggest injury I had was, uh, I did, actually I did, I did my Achilles playing football, but that was only a minor, you know, minor tears, but that, that seems to go on for, for months, unless you can rest up for six weeks, which is pretty impossible, uh, sort of drags on. I, um, did my hamstring pretty bad. Um, again, I didn't need surgery on it, but it, it tore it and the whole back of my leg went black where, it, you know, obviously torn and, and blood had, you know, 
come out and yeah that, that was pretty bad and that that was annoying really because um we were playing a playing a team and they were terrible we were winning it's like 15 nil in men's football it just don't happen does it and me and this other guy were just trying to score as many goals as possible I'd scored five. I think he was on four. I went steaming after this through ball, thinking he's number six, and <laughs> and it was it was out for like two months. So, wow. yeah, that's probably my worst, worst, worst one. Um, like I've had a hernia up um, about actually that was the year I started CrossFit. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd had the hernia. It was only it started off only small, and uh, I carried on lifting, and I was in the gym. And I did a heavy deadlift and tore it completely. It was really, really painful. And um, it started off the size of like a, a grape. And after I'd torn it, the hernia was like a, someone had strapped an orange to me. But it wow. didn't stop me. I, I, used to, <laughs> I used to get a pair of socks, push, the, push it in, painful, gaffer tape myself up. Once now I've had that repaired though, that's that feels great. If it was bulletproof, I wanted mm. the other side because it was in the inguinal canal. Do you know about that? I've heard about this. Yeah, yeah. That's that's sort of like the most um, common place that men have them because it's there's a there's a hole either side. That's where your testes come through as a as a baby. Oh, okay. So always there. They're asking mm. asking really, and uh, that's that's where mine was. So I, I was like, can can you do the other side? <laughs> But they, they obviously they won't do it unless there's a there's an injury going on. So did they mesh it? Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I was booked in to have um, keyhole surgery, but the um, the cameraman didn't turn up. Oh. So I had so I, I, I was they were going from my belly button. So he goes, I'm going to have to do a big cut just above where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, once he'd done it, and I came round, he goes, I'm glad I had to do the big uh, cut because that was bad. Um, right. I think it would have been quite challenging to do keyhole. Um, so, what was yeah. your sort of recovery time to to get over that and get back into training? Roughly, um, I think it was twelve weeks after after about a, a month. You can do light stuff, so I was doing yeah, just you know li- little bits and pieces, um, and then they say after three months, it's as strong as it's going to be. But yeah mesh they, they sort of uh, and then your muscles and everything else intertwines around it the only thing i don't do now is wear a lifting belt okay i think or I, i'm sure i tried to google this a couple of months ago and couldn't find any information out on it but i'm sure when i did it i found out that you know that pressure that that intra abdominal pressure that's built up by wearing the belt that is just too much now for that hernia repair and you really shouldn't do it so bin the belt now and i've got a lovely rogue belt it's a leather one and it's just like sitting waiting to be used and i'm like no can't use it so i I honestly can't remember the last time i wore lifters or used a lifting belt or even knee sleeves because i remember reading something that um you know whilst whilst that would be great if you was going for like a true one rep max and you was at a powerlifting comp or you know, I've even heard about the momentum you get off of wearing thick knee sleeves, you know, to bounce the squat back up. But I I just, once once I sort of heard that once you start supporting your body, your body sort of be, becomes accustomed to that support. Yeah. 
to me it was like so if i can build and build without those accessories you know on a day when say i was going for you know a lifetime pr or a super big lift or maybe i just wanted a little bit of confidence to have to wrap the belt back around me yeah i'd go for it um and you know never say never i'm not saying i'm never going to use them but for the minute i've been sort of experimenting a little bit more with the barefoot sort of lifting spreading my toes um you know real have a conscious effort with a contact with a floor um that's from you know deadlifting squatting snatching etc almost like the total opposite of the the lifters the the belt the knee sleeves and all that stuff but there's definitely a time and place um for those things but yeah i can understand the the extra sort of pressure that maybe your body switches off to when you've got that belt wrapped around you when you've got those knee sleeves on i i don't i don't miss using the belt if i'm honest but um yeah, I like I like your way of thinking. I I, I wear um, seven mil SBD knee sleeves, and they 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 will add ten kilos to your back squat easy. Yeah, I you know I, I believe that. Um, so yeah, I, maybe maybe I should. <laughs> I'm worried about my knees. They make all sort of creaky noises. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm um I think from years of twisting and turning on the football pitch, you know, on with the big old boots and the heavy mud and grass stuck to it. Uh, that's yeah my my knees is probably the biggest area that i suffer with from pain um but yeah i just i just at the moment where i'm playing around with this sort of barefoot stuff been doing like some barefoot hill sprints just around the corner from me there's a nice little grass hill and um have you ever tried barefoot running uh well not really other than um i ran on a treadmill uh at the weekend barefoot Oh, okay, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I didn't do it. It was only because um, I went to the uh, training designs open day mm. and curve runner, and I've never been on a curve runner, and I was only in my flip flops. I thought I've got to have a go on it, and uh, yeah. yeah, so it's probably nicer running on grass than on a than on a treadmill. I can imagine, but no, I've never actually tried it. Sort of uh, like an extended period of time, should we say? But uh, how did it feel on the curved runner? It was all right, to be fair. Yeah. Mm. Uh, do, do you mean running barefoot or the actual curved runner itself? No, running barefoot on the curved runner. Well, at, for the bottoms of my feet, it, it, it felt fine. But the curved runner, uh, that was the first time I'd used it. I found uh, I was running so fast. It, it, I, I couldn't find a, You know, on a normal treadmill where you, you can jog, can't you? I, I, all I could seem to be able to do on this thing was either walk or <laughs> Yeah, I'll be I'll be interesting to sort of try and try and learn that over the next few weeks. I think with like the belt driven like traditional treadmills, it, it's it's a bit like hopping. You're not really running, are you? You're sort of hopping. Yeah. And then with those curve runners, you're forced to move the ground. It's probably yeah. harder than running because you've got to get the momentum going in the actual belt itself. Yeah, but it was smooth. He, he's got the um, assault runner pro. It did feel very very smooth, and it did feel quite realistic you know i know what you're saying about running on a normal treadmill it's a little bit it's not quite running is it yeah you're yeah. just you know, well hovering hovering over the belt a bit really isn't yeah uh, yeah it was good but yeah I, I couldn't i couldn't stop sprinting i was doing about 19 miles an hour <laughs> and you use same boat on 
Well, I, I, I could just see myself. I was, I was ready to grab the, the arms. I'm thinking I'm either going to, you know, break the land speed record here or fall, you know, flat on my face, <laughs> come flying off the back of it. <laughs> I want to talk to you about your conditioning because I know um, every now and again I see you sort of popping up a picture of um, you doing some sort of open water swimming in your wetsuit and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever gone down the, the sort of triathlon, duathlon sort of route? Or... No. Um, like the, the I, like, I like my static bike, but I, I'm, I'm not keen on going on the road on a bike. So that, that, that wipes that out. Um, and even though I spent like 40 years playing football, I never really enjoy running. I, I very rarely, I brought myself a pair of runners last year thinking I'm going to start programming running. I've done about two running workouts. So I just, just can't bring myself to do it. Mm. Uh, but the open water swimming, I... I really, really like that. Um, I started, um, I think it was 2019, year before lockdown. Um, me and uh, my wife Paula started going over to Tri Farm, and I, she she's a good swimmer. She's been she's been having uh, like she can always swim, um, and she started having adult swimming lessons. And her technique now is she looks brilliant in the water. You know, you know them people who are just cruising and it's effortless. She's one of them. Um, where I've got like sinky legs, like I've got the strength to do it, but my, I think I'm more at like a 45 degree angle in the water. So I'm trying to improve that. But um, what I like about tri farm is um, it's deep, so you can't put your feet down. So once you're in there swimming, you're forced to to keep going. Yeah. So I like that. Um, yeah. And I got, I was so enjoying it. I'm like, for my 50, if we're going to swim Alcatraz, you know. <laughs> Uh, but obviously lockdown put, um, put uh, you know, that, that stopped all that really. So it's, it's still on my list of things to do, but uh, mm. definitely got to uh, up my swimming game to, to take that one on. I've been to Tri Farm a couple of times and that first 100 metre boy, yep. I'm flying. Like yep. I feel great. I feel like an Olympic champion. And then I turn and then it just, all the wheels totally come off. And like that, that next 300 metres is like, all I'm trying to do is basically not drown. You, you know, when you first go there and you have, you have to do that swim with someone walking along the bank, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. I, I turned up there. I've never swam in a wetsuit. Um, and I did that first hundred like you. I've gone, I, I've just swam beautifully. And he's gone, he's put the old thumbs up. Good to go. I was done in. The rest of that, uh, the 800 metres, I'm, I'm just uh, breaststroking. I'm like, I can't front, but I'm done. Yeah, that was me exactly. That was me exactly. A friend of mine, he's got into um, to triathlons, and he's got a, he's got a half. His his goal is to get a half Ironman and then an Ironman done. So he's done like a, a triathlon. And he's doing a sprint triathlon. But he was talking about how the because I, I said the exact same thing as you. Like when I'm swimming, I've got the power in my shoulders and my arms, but I yep. feel like my legs are yep. a lot lower down. And he was saying that the buoyancy of the of the wetsuit does sort of alleviate that a little bit yeah have you have you been given any cues or any sort of techniques to try and get those legs higher well i had i had a swimming lesson um and the woman was like oh, you're i'm definitely going to solve your problem i'm like brilliant and the main thing she was asking me to do was have your head and like look at the bottom i know you can't see much in in uh try over at tri but have your eyes pointing at the bottom of the pool and mm -hmm. she 
she even gave me so I've got my eyes pointed at the pool. She's given me a float between my legs, and she goes, "Your legs will now float." And what did they? Even with the boy, they just sunk. She, she goes, "Like it," and she hasn't cured it. And she was like, "Yeah, it's guaranteed." She even had me. Um, I think I had to put my hands on the side of the pool. Uh, my head was right in the water, literally submerged a hole in my head. So I'm weighing myself down with that. And she had a boy with her legs, and my legs just slowly, slowly sunk. Because that uh, can't happen. <laughs> you must have some heavy femur bones. I don't know. I just, it's an, so annoying. Um, uh, I was on holiday um, going up, the pool was empty. So I'm doing a few laps, and the Spanish lifeguard, she was a woman, she came over and she was all concerned. And she's going, she, in a in a broken English, she was going, "Your legs, the, the, why are they so low?" And she was, yeah. the rest of it looks okay, but your your legs, there's no boom 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 or something." She was trying to say, "Yeah, so I, I would like to get that sorted out, but um, yeah, other than tying some balloons to my ankles to <laughs> keep them up, I don't, I don't know what to do." Yeah, like like you say, some of the guys they make it look so effortless when they swim. Yeah, um, I've done a duathlon last august in the docklands and they sort of had these pros you know com competitive guys at the front and they just went off like absolutely blitz and i was thinking they can't keep that pace up surely and they just absolutely steam through the water and uh there was me like last out of the water done the same thing blew blew my energy too early with the front claw and had to go back to the breaststroke to to get round, but um, wetsuit. Was you wearing a wetsuit? No, I went in skins that day. Uh, I don't actually have a wetsuit. Um, I've not worn a wetsuit since I jet skied back in. I used to race jet skis when I was like 16, 17. Um, I bought a pair of um, they're called buoyancy shorts, so that it's like wetsuit, but it's they just like, like the jammers, so they go from your waist to your knee. <laughs> my philosophy on that is like without the wetsuit on my upper body that's going to go lower in the water the shorts bring me up a bit so i'm, I'm going saturday so i'm hoping to to see what see what goes on there yeah, yeah. Oh, well, good luck mate i hope it doesn't have the opposite effect and it puts your legs even lower <laughs> <laughs> um i think so we've talked about your training um your recovery this is always a consensus subject because everyone's got their own theories behind it but talk to me about nutrition and, and what your diet and what stuff you know that you put into your mouth looks like in and around your sort of training sessions um it's it's nothing fancy really um like uh paula cooks all my meals uh in the evening she does the other other than steak night or the odd chili she does pretty much all the cooking so it's you know chicken salad uh just good health healthy food really um i'll have um i normally just have weetabix for breakfast and go off with a black coffee um yeah and it's, it's for, for lunch I, I just normally have like a chicken sandwich um apple um handful of nuts and lo lots of water mm. my favorite meal of the day i so that, that so i have breakfast lunch and dinner and then because i used to wake up in the middle of the night starving hungry i now have um some protein 
oats. Um, I have that about 10 o'clock at night, which would be, uh, that'd be oats and milk. And in there would be a strawberry or a couple of strawberries, a banana, protein powder, some raisins. Uh, what else do I put in there? Greek yogurt. No, not Greek yogurt. What's the other one? Fag. Have you heard of fag yogurt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That goes in. And then some um, maple syrup. So <laughs> stir all that up. And that's why mm. 10 o'clock at night. So loads of calories. And I don't wake up in the middle of the night starving hungry. Yeah, that's typically what my last meal of the day is. One of them 5% phage pots of fahar. Uh, yeah. Like dumping of honey, probably like 40, 50 grams of honey. Stir that bad boy up and I just plow through it and I, I just find that um yeah, I just I just sleep but a lot you know, there's lots of theories about oh you shouldn't eat, you know, close to bedtime. Yeah, can, it can affect your recovery. For me, yeah. I find it it's the opposite. If I go to bed without that or still hungry, like um I, I feel like I'm not fully recovered in the morning. So that yogurt before I go to bed is like a, a staple in my in my daily sort of dose of food really. Yeah, the, the only I, I have a um, couple of supplements. I have a supplement with vitamin D, mm -hmm. uh, uh, zinc, and magnesium, mm -hmm. uh, and that's pretty. Oh, I, I have um, creatine, so I've got yep. for a couple of years. So, and I, I have that every every single day, even if I'm not training. Mm -hmm. uh, and, it, and then just protein powder, really. Uh, normally, one of those a day. Just to keep keep your um your protein levels up. Like I um lost a bit of weight from uh well about March until for a couple of months. I was tracking everything on uh, my fitness pal. Mm -hmm. What I like about that is you can definitely see how much how much protein you're getting. And if you you know if you need a little bit more, you can just have a you know another scoop of protein really. Yeah. Chicken or whatever. So what 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 was the what was the goal to track? Was it to just keep an eye on your protein levels or was it looking to like a different goal, packing on muscle? No, I, I, I literally wanted to shift shift some weight, really. Like, I, I, I love Christmas food. That's my that's my nemesis, really, on, on food. Like, so over Christmas, I just eat everything and just keep going. There's <laughs> always so much left over, isn't there? You get to January, still eyes lurking and, you know, quality streets. I'm just hoovering it all up. Mm. And I got up to, I think it was the heaviest I've ever been, which is 102 kilos. Uh, like, I didn't look fat, but, you know, when you, you sort of sit down and you're like, oh, you can feel your tummy a bit. And yeah. I thought, I've got to do something about this. And, uh, yeah, I set myself a goal of uh, trying to get to 94 kilos. I didn't really want to go any lighter than that. So, yeah, using the, the MyFitnessPal was was perfect for that. Yeah. Worked out. um how many calories I needed. Uh, I think it was about 2,800, which well, that's fantastic. And, and that felt really, really good, but the weight wasn't coming off quick enough. So I shifted that to two and a half. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just came off. Just, you know, and I'm like weighing myself and thinking, yeah, yeah, you can see that anyway, can't you? Look in the mirror and you know, you know the weight's coming off anyway. Yeah. You, you look like someone who's been naturally sort of lean and, and defined over the years. Have, have you yeah. always been that like that from a young age? Yeah, pretty much. I, like, I always used, as a kid, I always used to think I was a bit bit skinny. I never really wanted to uh, take my shirt off or wear shorts. Um, 
I remember taking when well, well, I was bench pressing in my garage. That they uh, had some weight gain powder from Argos I brought, <laughs> which tasted horrible. That stuff never used to mix well. Well, it either did it the early. Pack. I mean, mum's going, what are you drinking that for? I was going, I want to get big, you know, like. <laughs> I remember the, the, some of the bulk stuff that I used to buy, because I used to be about eight stone wet in my football days. And uh, when I was getting, getting into training, and it was all because I was influenced by Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior, wanting to look like, you know, as, as big muscles as those guys on the TV. Yeah. And um, these super gainers were like a thousand calories a scoop. Yeah. It, it was like shoveling concrete down your mouth. It was hot. It tasted horrible. It, like you said, it didn't mix very well. It was a really rough, yeah, rough experience. And I'm sure a thousand calories in a scoop of powder can't be good for you, for your body. But like back then, you wouldn't even have looked at what was in it. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Just would have, yeah, chugged it down. Dirty bulking, as they call it. Yeah, yeah. As as far as sort of body shape, yeah, I'm sort of naturally, you know, pretty slim anyway. And I, I never really thought I, I was, you know, I, I could, you know, put weight on that easily. But it obviously shows, you know, calories in, calories out. Thing, you, you can put the weight on quick enough if yeah. you put. I see you, you put a post up recently, didn't you? Like a before and after post. Yeah. And so that was around a hundred kilos, was it? And down to. Yeah, there was there was there was one picture, and like my, I, I showed my son, I said, "What do you think?" He goes, "Oh, you look much better at one oh two. But the bigger one. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was I, I had the extension done on the house, and I was doing loads and loads of work, and I got down to um, I don't don't know what it is in kilos, but it was thirteen stone ten. I think it's about ninety kilos. I'm thinking. Mm. And Paula, Paula prefers me like that. She, you know, prefers me slim. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm about 94, 95. That's, that's where I like to, to hang out, really. For you, what's, what's the noticeable differences between that extra sort of five or 10 kilos? What, what feels better and what feels worse? When, when I was heavy, I was loving deadlift, you know, picking stuff. You just feel so much stronger. Def, definitely feel stronger when you're heavier. Mm-hmm. But obviously, you don't you don't move as well. You, gymnastics, you go you go and try and do, you know, even pull ups, um, and you know, like handstands. You know, everything's so you think you've lost your strength because you you know you, you're carrying a bit of extra weight. And uh, like re- recently, um, when, when I did my rib actually, and, and I, saw, I saw you'd been doing it, like lots of press ups, and um, I thought, right, I'm going to do that. In my rest period, while I'm, I'm so the week out of the gym, and I was just doing 100 press ups a day, 100 well, 50 pull ups and 50 chin ups, and 100 air squats. Mm. Looking in the mirror, thinking, I think that's all I need. I can, <laughs> now, other than it getting a bit like monotonous, you know, I, I think you could you could get a brilliant physique just with a, just with press ups, pull ups, and you know, a load of squats. Yeah. Um, and I, I got back into the gym, and uh, I thought. My pull feels immense after all. Like I've been doing pull-ups every day. Put my weighted vest on. This is no warm-up, and I, I did three ring muscle-ups. I'm like right out for the day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's when when you feel like you've mastered your body weight. Yeah. And, and you can move well on something like a press-up. You know, you don't need any equipment. You can drop down anywhere. You could do it in a meeting room at work. You could do it in a park. You could do it in your bedroom, in the kitchen. 
like it's just such a it's such an accessible movement and i think that the the benefits that you get from it you know a, a way and above maybe a bit of a pumped chest or a pumped sort of set of abs like there's a lot of correlation to press ups and cardiovascular health and heart health yeah. um you know they reckon there's a lot of if you can do 40 press ups that's like a good 40 unbroken press ups that's a good sort of um benchmark to where you're at with your overall health yeah um, i've the, got i've got this many yeah. say that again mate sorry so many variations of press up you can do as well yeah it's, i mean you, you look at the likes of bruce lee yeah. doing the, the one finger press up and the diamond press ups the clapping press ups the you know the feet inverted the explosive the box the pipe press ups there's you know the list is endless and whilst you know there is a lot of other things you, you can be doing for, for me like 100 press-ups every morning has become a staple of my day and it just i can do two sets of 50 and yeah uh, yeah well so i'll tell you ever since i've been doing this wim hof breathing like i'll do three or four rounds of that in the morning i roll over and the other morning i've got 70 unbroken press-ups wow. and i sort of I think I've got to 70 and I shocked myself a bit and I probably could have kicked on. I reckon I could have probably got 75 or 80. So on a day where I'm feeling good again, I'm just going to literally go until I fail and see, see what I actually can get because. You, uh, what, what is your, what is your position for your press up? Where, where do you have your hands? So probably around sort of shoulder width, maybe, maybe a tad wider. So, so, um, like, like you know, you know ones like well, I call it the gymnastic press up, where you, you have them sort of almost like parallel to your chest. Is that where you are? Yeah. Or yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's I find that definitely the strongest because I, I always like when I used to do football with the boys. They're out here. They're, they're arms. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to push someone away from you. Where you can have your hands, and they they go oh like there. And I said that's where you want your hands for your press up. You know what about it? You don't press someone away like that. Yeah. Uh, I definitely feel like I've got a stronger foundation when they're sort of around that pec area, like you say. Yeah, it's all nicely stacked and, yes, that's strong. But, yes, yeah, you, you must be on target for nearly 100, I reckon, Jay, the way, you, the way you're going there. That's, that's love to just tick that box and say I've done 100 unbroken press-ups. But, um, yeah, it'll probably come on a day when I just zone out and don't expect it and then just before I know it, I'm at 90 and then I'll can maybe just hold on and grind out another i think for me when i'm doing any sort of workout movement and, it, and it's getting tough in my head i'm like well just do another five yeah I get that five done i'm like right I'll just do another five and then that sort of mini goals within the rep scheme and i can just sort of try and chip away i think if you if you give yourself a target say if you want to do i want to do 60 press-ups it will get hard around 55 yeah. If you told yourself you wanted to do 70, it will get hard around 65. Yeah. So like it's almost like there's a built-in buffer to start sort of slowing down or getting hard when you get closer to your number. When, when you did the 70, what were your last sort of 10 reps like? Were you slowing down? Um, I could feel the blood was starting to burn a bit around the sort of 60 mark. Yeah. Um, but then I was like, well, I'm at 60 now. I'll grind another five out, see what happens, and then just done another five after that yeah that's that's impressive that is um but yeah i think because 
as now I'm getting closer and closer before when I'm because I used to do 100 press ups every day all through lockdown. Um, and then I sort of drifted away from it a little bit. And then I come back from holiday and I was like, I felt I f a lot of things that I do is basically how I feel. If it makes me feel good, if I feel great after, then I'll do it. So like at the moment, I'm waking up, I'm doing a 25 minute Romwad. I'm doing three to four rounds of the Wim Hof. I roll over, do a set of push-ups. Some days they're a max, some days they're not a max. I'll just go with sort of feel, um, but probably normally minimum of 50 now. And then I'll go downstairs, drink an electrolyte in my water, just get that sodium in to sort of kickstart my body. And then I'll take the dog out in the garden, throw a ball for him while I'm got my feet on the grass and I do me a little bit of journaling and read me daily stoic while yep. I'm out there. Then I'll come back in and I'll do the next set of press ups and nine times out of 10, I'm getting a hundred done in two sets now. That's, that's pretty awesome actually. Yeah. Yeah. Good numbers. 50. What's yeah. that? That that's, is that just um, short quotes? Is it the daily stoic? Yes. Yeah, so it's, it's a page a day and it's not even a full page. Right. Um, but it gives what, you this just to read a page a day. Yeah, it just basically gives you a stoic quote, and then underneath it, the the author of the book, Ryan Holiday, um, he gives you the sort of uh, latest or the the modern world version of it, or he might give you a, a little example of what, because you know some of the quotes can be a little bit wordy. Yeah, and, and he just helps break it down in, into a more modern day sort of meaning. But um, yeah, it, I, I mean, the book's like eight or nine quid, and I'm I'm on the second year of of going through the every day, and I just oh, okay. I've always been at like got a bit of a kick from quotes. Oh, you cut out there. What, what was that? I just it's like the perfect book for me, really, because it's you know in the morning it's a minute or two read. Yeah, and I get a bit of a. A kick to me fire it stokes me fire a little bit you know reading what a an ancient sort of roman stoic uh was was writing in his diary so now, is it the same guy is it is it it quotes from the same guy every day no it's normally um you get seneca marcus aurelius um i think you pronounce it epictetus i probably butchered that um yeah. They're, they're the main three, but there are probably another handful of guys that they quote from. Um, a lot of people speak highly of Marcus Aurelius and the, the meditations that he wrote. Yeah. You know, people that really get deep dive into the Stoic Stoic stuff and Stoism. I've not I've not explored that box just yet, but I'm I'm happy with the daily the daily sort of um, few lines. It, yeah, so uh, recommend it to anyone really if they if they enjoy quotes or Stoicism. Yeah, I, I had it in my um, in the uh, basket on Amazon, but I haven't. And then it's come out, and then I, I read some reviews, and I'm like, ah, oh, what should I do? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I haven't purchased that yet. Before we jump into our questions, Mark, I just wanted to touch on. I um, mean, you, you did touch on it a little while ago, um, but you you popped a rib um, yeah. a week ago. Talk to me about that. Um, I was back squatting, uh, not. Mm -hmm heavy or not not you know it's 110 on the bar and um i was going to be doing i think 10 reps and during my first set uh, the only way i can just I, I normally get um 
like a well not normally but uh, if if I've been doing some back squats it's, it's it's like an air bubble I, I don't know yeah. how I can uh, describe it and normally if I grab my foam roller take a deep breath do the bear hug I can pop it mm-hmm. I could feel it building up so rack rack the weight went in grabbed my foam roller did it got a big old crack out my back but oh awesome went back in but I could still feel it and mm. um I, ca- I carried on, but it was painful. Then I did some strict pressing, and, and I could feel it, and that was painful, but <laughs> carried on, persevered. Um, and then w- went indoors, and was telling Paula, and she went, that sounds like you've um, you've popped a rib. So if I took a deep breath, at the very end of the breath, it felt pointy. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's all I can say. You, you could feel it you know, as if someone was poking you. Um, so I, I, book, I normally go to Chris Branch, but I looked at his online diary, couldn't get in with him for about 10 days so i went to unique body clinic and the lady there um sort of assessed me manipulated me and said yeah one of your ribs where it should sort of just glide with you know um i can't remember what word she used but it's just popped out of where where it should be so she sort of popped it back in cracked my back which was that's always a you know, quite nice. Um, and then put some uh, kinesiology tape on me just to support it. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the rest of that day, it hurt. And then day after that, no pain and I'm good. Nice. So yeah, all, all I can think of, like, I didn't respect the weight. You know, you know, like you go in and, and you brace and, you you know, I was thinking, oh, it's, it's only 110. <laughs> and, you know, that's, that's all I can think of, I, I, you know. I was a bit slack that day and uh, damaged myself by uh, not respecting the weight. Yeah. I think my last couple of sort of injuries or niggles has, has come from exactly that. You know, like like you said, one time was looking at the timer yeah. and not concentrating on my form in the deadlift. Yeah. Um, another time was being a little bit complacent when sort of getting through the paces with, with a clean you know, I was sort of, oh, it's only 70 kilos and so not being fully switched on. Yeah. And uh, landed it a little bit funny with my elbow and got a little bit of a, a tweak, like in my sort of down here where they call like tennis elbow or, you know, a bit of inflammation in there from it, um, which has finally sort of seemed to move on. But um, I just love the fact that you you popped a rib or dislodged a rib on the Wednesday and then you PB'd on your, was it on your CMC2 bike on the... <laughs> I, I, thought, I don't want to do anything involved with my bike. Uh, sorry, my back. And I thought, mm. oh, that was perfect. And um, since I've been swimming, my cardio seems to have um, gone through the roof, really. So um, you, you do, I do the um, you, you go you go into the menu on your bike, and I just looked at my last my, or my PB that I'd done before, which was I think it was eighteen, no nine nineteen. I oh, so eighteen or nineteen thirty four. So I put mm-hmm. that race against, you get the little bike up and you race against that. Mm. I, I always start off fast to try and push that bike. You, you don't, you've done that yourself. So you're racing yeah. the bike or the rower. So you push him off the screen and then you've got to hold that pace. Mm-hmm. He's coming back at you. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was really good. And it felt, it felt good. I thought, I'm definitely going to smash this. But when, when I got my legs, oh, solid. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's a good bit of kit that C two bike. If if you um, if you can afford one, I'll definitely uh, I'll definitely grab one of those. Yeah, I think I think um, as the winter comes, it's been on my sort of shopping list for a while. Um, 
I'm, I'm thinking probably now after speaking to you, the power rack's probably up there as the number one thing to replace just to give me that bit of safety when I start pushing. Because um, I've got this man versus mountain thing in September. We're running up Snowdon. It's been cancelled for the last two years on trot. Yeah. And uh, I, even though I threw me toys out the pram and said I weren't going to do it this year, I, I can't not finish off what I've started. Um, so that's in September. So once I get that out of the way and fully recover from that, I'm going to get right back into because I'm just really enjoying my ollie lifting at the minute. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I just, whilst I, you know, I like I'm a bit of a sucker for suffering and putting myself through a horrible workout, <laughs> I also like doing the things that I like as well. Oh, yeah. That's, no, that's got to be number one, I think, doing the stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to crossing the Snowden thing off the list and then recovering for that for a couple of weeks and then just getting a backpack or anything or you just you know so you you have there's an element of minimum kit that you have to take because you're on a mountain basically so you have to take like um i've got like a you know the solomon sort of running packs is that the, with the drinking is that the one you... yeah so you've got two half liter bottles on the chest and then you've got capacity in the back for either another bladder or to carry food yeah um, because you know it's not exactly going to be a fast marathon um running up snowden and, and back so you but but what they insist you have waterproofs enough food to be on the mountain for five to six hours you know first aid kit emergency whistle so it's not it's not like it's going to be a 20 40 kilo bergen but you're going to have an element of sort of weight on your back especially as you're going up <laughs> yeah yeah i basically i hated running hill i hated running and i hated running up hills so i thought well i've never done a marathon so why don't i do a marathon up a mountain <laughs> and well that, that is the only way of getting better at something than it doing it well we'll we'll find out in september but um i'm sure there's going to be a few moments where i'll be uh having to silence my inner bitch shall we say <laughs> how, how long is that going to take jay um honestly it's going to be a slow burner um i'm just getting back into some sort of longer runs on on a sunday morning now and we got up to just under 10 miles on sunday and i'm like around 10 10 30 minute miling so it's just it's more about getting time on the legs um and i felt pretty good on sunday considering i'd not run more than six miles for quite some time so to get a 10 under my belt i was pretty happy with then we're just going to creep it each week, add a mile, mile and a half on it yeah. before we sort of get around the, the the plan is there's a loop of the woods that we do up in Landon Hills and it's it's brutal yeah. and there's some really unforgiving hills and it's the closest we're going to be able to mimic, you know, anything that's, you know, mountain like round here. Yeah. Um, but it's just under 10K, it's like 5.8 miles. Um, but last year we've done four laps of it um, and the plan would be to sort of get around, uh, get another sort of three or four laps in before we go off to to Wales, because you, you're never going to be able to, you know, reciprocate Snowden. That's a that's a one off unless you live in Wales and you're running up it every day. It's going to be tough, tough to to um, you know to to get that level of training in. So it's a lot of going to be a lot of hill sprints, a lot of slow plod runs and. Yeah, just just grind it out on the day, basically, and hopefully I don't break myself too much. Yeah. 
Um, I think now, Mark, is a perfect time to dive into uh, our our standard questions that we wrap up yeah. the podcast with. Um, so for you, what's the best advice you've ever been given? Uh, well, um, just be nice to people, really. You know, be polite and kind. I'd, I'd say that's the best advice. I always tell my kids that, you know, someone talks to you, please and thank you, you know. So, yeah, just, just being nice to people, really. That's the best advice. Yeah, solid. Solid values. <clears throat> What's the one non-negotiable rule that you live by? That's, that's easy. You, whatever I do, it's got to be a hundred percent. So, I try try my best, you know. But definitely, just a hundred percent, whatever I do. Yeah. All in. Yep. Favorite quote. Um, I'm not sure. I've really got a favorite quote, but I've always liked the one that. Um, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So yeah, I've always quite quite like that. Mm. So, nice. Yeah, not, not, nothing too deep. Yeah, it's true though, isn't it? It's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dream car. Uh, that would be um, an Aston Martin. I don't know which one, but I, I've always liked the, the James Bond sort of you know the look. So mm. yeah, in Aston Martin, I think. English gentleman, look, get out in your dinner suit and have your martini, shaken, not stirred. Yeah. <laughs> Two dinner guests you could invite, either dead or alive. Um, well, first, actually, I'm, I'm going to be a fanboy and choose two of my heroes. So uh, I, I don't think the conversation is going to be riveting, but I'd, I'd invite Eric Cantona. Okay, yeah. And uh, Randy Couture. So I, I think we'd have a, have a few beers and, uh, yeah, it'd be an interesting chat. But I don't yeah. know get out of it, boys. I could see that kicking off if anyone approached the table and got a bit leery. <laughs> <laughs> so I take it you're a Man United fan, are you? I am a Man United fan, yeah. Yeah, yeah that started, um, I think it was... When, when did... Um, it's before your time, Jay. I think it was 79 when Man U played Arsenal in the FA Cup final. I didn't really have a team before then, but my next door neighbour was an Arsenal fan and I went round his to watch it. And he goes, oh, support, support this team. And I'm like, no, nah, I'll support the Avalot. And the Avalot was Manchester United and I've, I've stuck with them ever since. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good enough reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's your ring walk or your hype song? What's the song that gets you pumped up? Um, well, n normally, uh, like I, I like Johnny Cash, so I'd, I'd normally choose something moody by Johnny Cash. But um, one of my friends passed away in um, January this year, and the song that they played, you know, at the end of the funeral when everyone's walking out, they once by Liam Gallagher. Have you heard that? No, I don't think so. It, it's um mainly because I'm sort of, I think I'm in, emotionally invested in it because of my friend. But if I'm going for a big lift now in the gym, <laughs> tell Alexa to play that and I'm, I'm ready to go. Do you know what I mean? And when I, when, I did, um, when I did my bike, that was playing right near the end. So I'm, I'm really giving it the old turbo on, on the bike. So, uh, yeah, once by Liam Gallagher at the moment for me. All right. Yeah, I'll give that a listen. I'll add that to the playlist. It's, it's good. I, I played it to my son and he, he, he had it on loop for about a week. And we go, <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah 
Yeah, once by Liam Gallagher. Nice. Book you've read more than once and why? Um, I've read a few, but the first one uh, that popped into my head was Lord of the Rings. I know that's that's free books, <laughs> but yeah, I've read that. That I've probably read that three or four times. Mm. Yeah, just I just really really like it. It's plain and simple. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Favorite film? Um, too too many to choose from, but I, I absolutely love uh, Django Unchained. Mm. Um, I, I also had like the, the Gentleman, which is a relatively uh, new film, but uh, yeah, Django is, is is good. I've seen that a few times. Love that film. They're probably my top two directors, Guy Ritchie and Quinton. I just love everything they do, even the weird stuff that no one likes. I, I love them. Yeah, yeah, it's just just really really good. What do you do when you sort of start feeling a bit off or a bit down, or you know, just to not firing on all cylinders well luckily for me that that doesn't happen very often at all but if it does it's it's one of two things a couple of beers that normally chills me out or a nice walk with missus so mm. even if we're not really chatting you can go for a walk and yeah it's just nice being out and but yeah luckily i thought i'm pretty pretty happy chappy so uh yeah I, I don't feel down too often good good to hear and um, your favourite method of recovery? Out of all the ones I do, uh, it'd have to be the cold shower, just purely. like When, when I turn it off, I love being in it now, but when I turn it off, that feeling of euphoria you get, I just, I just, just love that. I'd, I'd hate to miss out on that, that feeling. Yeah. Like what, what you do, the, the, like I'm assuming you get that same feeling when you come out of the water, out, out, of, the, uh, out of your tank. Uh, after... After getting out of cold water, I just feel like I'm the best version of me. I'm I'm flying. Yeah, I, I just like I'm. If if I wanted to say be be your best, then yeah. it would be after. It's just just something that it's almost like it gives you a shot of adrenaline. Yeah, and you know, it's like for me, I use it as a reset. And uh, yeah, I just feel so good after it. Recommend it to anyone. But I, I, I always tell people, yeah, I do the same. And, and a lot of people are like, no, you mad. That would ruin my day. I said, just try it. Just, yeah. you know, you say you hate it or you can't stand it. Just try it and, and t tell me otherwise in a month's time. But, yeah, <laughs> not, not I've not converted many people. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a tough sell, isn't it? It is, yeah. <laughs> the guy that um, I've done the Wim Hof course with, he's like a level two Wim Hof instructor. He's coming back over to the UK. Okay. And uh, he's doing a few workshops around sort of um, the, the sort of South End Hockley area. And uh, a lot of people have asked me about it. So I'm saying to him, well, look, this is the guy to go and see. Yeah. Go and do the course. He'll talk you through the breathing. He'll, he'll talk you through an ice bath and you'll get so much from it. And um, the, the people that initially sort of said, the, yeah, they're up for it. They seem to have um, lost their voice since like the date's actually been set. So um, we'll see... Is that all day the course? Um, I think it's like a half day, so it'd be like eleven till four, something like that. Eleven till three. But um, I know Wim sort of got a little bit of extra added uh, media coverage when the BBC program came out this year. Yeah, there was lots of celebrities on it that got so much from that sort of week with him. And this is a this would be like a mini version of that. 
Um, but yeah, I, I, I can't recommend it enough and think you know, I'd just love everyone to try it and make their own minds up for it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, if you, you might love it, you might hate it, but uh, yeah, I, I would, you know, want people to definitely try the cold water. Hmm. Um, spirit animal. Um, yeah, I, I, like first of all, I'm thinking lone wolf, but I'm, I, I, yeah, wolves are a bit. Um, I sort of, um, I don't, I don't really think I'm uh, the, the wolf would be my spirit animal. They're a bit fidgety, aren't they? They're always, they're always. <laughs> I, I sort of chill out a bit more. So I, I was thinking I was I was more like a uh, like a big cat, like like lay, lazing around a bit, and then you know burst of activity, you know kill its food. And <laughs> so yeah, I'd, I'd probably say if I had to associate with a with an animal, I'd probably say like a you know I'm I'm more panther than <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your mantra when the going gets tough? Just keep moving, literally, sim- simple as that. When, when I'm in the middle of a nasty old wad that's really like, I just want to go indoors. So it's just, just keep moving, just keep moving. Hmm. Same when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm in the lake, just one arm after the other. Yeah, keep moving. Don't look too far ahead, one rep at a time, one yeah. step at a time. Same thing, one rep at a time, just one yeah. foot, keep moving. Hmm. Favourite treat meal or treat? Uh, favorite treat would be um, um, Hagen Dars uh, ice cream, particularly what? caramel. That's probably my favorite. Yeah, it's my Achilles heel, Mark. You've I've not thought about that for months, and now you've said it. All I want to do, <laughs> yeah, of it. I've been in Jerry's, but I'm Hagen Dars, it's a bit more adult, isn't it? Don't you think? Yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah. And when you look at the, the actual ingredients. Egg yolk, milk, cream, like in in this in the scheme of things, it's not actually like horrendously bad. Um, but I could disappear a couple of tubs of that without even trying. So and yeah, so easy. Yeah, that, that used to be. Favorite place in the UK. Um, the place, the yeah, the place in the UK that I I love going to the most is Brighton. Absolutely. Okay. Just, just good five. Just like everything about it, really. I, I like being down there, and yeah, the shops, the nightlife. Yeah, I just really like Brighton. I, I've not done a huge amount in England, to be fair, uh, mm. but Brighton is definitely my favourite place. Yeah, no, I've had some good weekends away down there. Um, top bucket list pick. This could either be what you've done or what's left to do. Oh, well, that, I spoke about that earlier. That that would be the Alcatraz swim. So how far is that? That uh, there's two routes that they do. Um, there's one because w- what they do, you, you get on the boat, they take you out to Alcatraz Island, jump off the back, and depending on the tides that day, it, I think it's either one point two or two miles. Right. And the two mile one, I think it's two miles or one point five. Can't remember that. It's meant to be easier uh, because you catch catch a different current, but yeah every person or uh like let's say there's 20 of you you'll you'll go in the water and everyone has their own kayaker or you know canoeist or or paddle so if you get in trouble or going off course they drag you back and you know so you you finish it but i'd I'd hate i'd hate to do the swim and have to be dragged back on course i'd I'd absolutely hate that yeah 
Yeah, well, I think it makes sense to have that safety aspect of it, especially if it's the first time you sort of swim in those waters. Yeah, and I, I think they even have a guy on like a main boat with a gun just in case there's a shark attack, but which has never happened, and they've done that for years, and there's never been anyone bitten by a yeah. shark. Yeah. I was going to ask, is that shark-infested waters? Because I know uh, around America it can get quite lively with, um, with sharks. That- that because it's, it's in the San Francisco Bay and it's only yeah, about in parts quite shallow, it's about six meters deep, right? Okay, shark infested, but uh, nearly all the sharks that are in there are bottom feeders, okay. And like the other side of the uh Golden Gate Bridge are the Great Whites, but it's something to do with the way the current churns in that bay, they mm-hmm. don't the oxygen levels in the water. Okay, that's handy. <laughs> and the great whites don't come in, but it's very, very rare. Yeah. But I watched a documentary about a, um, it was, I think she was Australian, and there's a set of islands about, uh, I'm going to say 30 miles. It's, I think they're called the Fallon, Fallon Islands, but that's shark infested, and she swam from there to san francisco and i reckon that the the hardest way is, is to do it opposite because by the time you get to the islands you're swimming all over the place and you're looking like a dying fish and the sharks are like hello here we go yeah <laughs> yeah you, you hear lots of stuff with the surfers that you know when the sharks look up they can mistake them for seals yeah in their black wetsuits in with the bald sort of around them but um yeah i, I don't know i think i'm sure watching jaws as a kid has has mentally scarred me about being in the sea and sharks. Like I ne- can never quite let that go. No. Um, well, it, 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 even when we go, like we, we're off to Tenerife soon, and you go underwater with your goggles on, and you can you see the whole ocean, don't you? Yeah. Scanning for sharks, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is. Um, especially when you're out in your depth, you, you worry. You think you're just thinking shark the whole time, aren't you? Yeah. And you can feel the water temperature change when you get into deeper waters. It's almost like you gives you a little shiver through your body. What's your favourite and least favourite exercise movements? Uh, least favourite is the burpee, which mm. I've been uh, doing a few of them recently because I, I hate the things. But yeah, I just hate burpees. Mm. Uh, my favourite would probably be, that'd be the deadlift, I reckon. I see a guy at the weekend, I think it was Friday, but he burpeed up Ben Nevis. Oh, yeah, I saw something like that. Yeah. yeah so but... Literally doing like a jumping burpee and getting up and doing another one. That's it, yeah. Wow. Crazy. <laughs> um, favourite sport? I think I know the answer to this one. Yeah, f- football's my favourite, followed by uh, MMA. That'd be my second favourite. Yeah. Um. Who's your favourite MMA artist? Randy Couture's my, my hero. I, lo- I love yeah. Randy. Yeah. And, and he, he was just a gnarled old veteran. You know, I, I just... It, there's, there's lots, though. I, I, I do tend to like... I, I, like, I like Dan Henderson. <laughs> I just like... He just had the one weapon, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, and like... That, that one where you're not bisping out. you seen that one? I have... Yeah, I'm, I do remember it. Um and I was really disappointed, and I know why he did it because he, he he was angry with him. But he, he was knocked out. He was and he, he hit him again, didn't he? I, I weren't happy with Dan Henderson for that. He he went down in my uh, estimation after that. Yeah, yeah. No, I've uh, Michael Bisping. I've seen a couple of interviews with him and a documentary about him. He's, he's 
very interesting chap. On it, he's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, the, the bit that he went through with his eye and lying to the doctors about all the tests, and yeah. you know, really and truly, he should have never fought half the, the sort of fights that he did for his own health reasons. But um, yeah, he, he managed to blag his way through it and come out. Yeah, I used to like Michael Bisping. He, he was like, you know, hundred percent whatever. Wasn't he? He's, he wasn't the most talented, but he, he mm. definitely. Saw. Yeah. Oh yes, definitely. What yeah. advice would you give to a younger you? Start training earlier. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd have definitely been sort of, you know, in, you know, deadlifting and back squatting, benching heavier than, yeah, than yeah. I, I did. So, yeah, I'd like, like to have started training earlier. See, I think like conditioning is probably one of the hardest things to get and to keep. So, I think even though, you know, you might, what you say that, I think your football years have given you like a great, conditioning foundation and I yeah. think strength is probably one of the easiest things to to be able to build yeah. um, you know whilst obviously there's a maintenance part with what comes with strength you know don't take long to lose it if you're not training um, yeah. but I, I do think like um, you know an, an element an element of strength and conditioning um, together is, is definitely the way forward to go now but that's um, the as well because it's varied well you know just just hitting the weights all the time you know it gets boring doesn't it you, you need yeah. to make... yeah no there's uh there's so much to learn and so much variety like you say it, it keeps everyone coming back for more um future plans uh fitness wise i'm just gonna just keep smashing it just keep doing exactly what i'm doing um yeah, so no, no, nothing major in the pipeline. Like I've, I've toyed with the idea of writing a few, um, like programs and, and you know, like proper programs and sending them out free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I haven't got round to that yet. Yeah, no, do it. Why not? You know, I, I quite I quite like the idea of sort of um, like more minimal kit. You know, because not one's got a garage like like yours or like mine. Uh, right to it, so. And that, that got me thinking um, when I was doing all them press-ups and pull-up, pull-ups. You don't need a massive amount of kit to build a really strong, fit body. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, anything around body weight stuff, like we were saying before, press-ups, pull-ups, squats, you know, once you can master that, even, you know, pistol squats, um, you know, all, all that stuff where you really have to be focused and in tune with how your body moves. Um, can be such a massive step to later on when you start putting a barbell on your back or, you know, throwing sort of kettlebells around. But, um, yeah. Mark, shout out your Instagram account because I want guys to go and have a look um, to see the stuff that you get up to because you put some great content out there with with the workouts that you do. And, um, you know, it's almost like your online training diary. I, I love it. I love sort of dipping in and see what you've been up to. Yeah, that is, it's, I, I think it's lone lone.wolf.training yeah I think I see it I should you should know that shouldn't you let me go and double check it yeah you're right lone.wolf.training yeah. um, check him out guys on Instagram lots of great content on there you can see what um, what an absolute weapon and legend this guy is <laughs> that, do you know do you know the hardest part of um, of posting on Instagram is because I generally video the first few reps, and they mm. always 
and I keep saying to myself, you need to video near the end so people can see you struggling. But then you've got to stop and set the camera up. <laughs> I normally do it at the start. So it's a little bit, it is, it's, that's Instagram though, isn't it? it yeah. You know, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see, pe see him, uh, people seeing me struggle a bit more. I did, I did post, I failed, um, I did a back squat and I failed it. I think I posted that. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I'm going to start trying to video some stuff where I stack it and, you know, drop weights on me. And... <laughs> <laughs> or, 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 or at the end of the workout where I'm absolutely, you know, all over the place. Yeah. You, you'll be go viral, mate. You'll be on GMTV before you know it. <laughs> but uh, oh. yeah, definitely easier videoing at the start. So that's generally why I do it. Mark, it's been great catching up with you, mate. I really appreciate your your time and coming onto the podcast and discussing all your your sort of um, experiences and, and learnings and, and failings and all the bits of bobs in between. It's been great, yeah, um, chewing the fat with you. And um, yeah, really appreciate your time, mate. Thanks for coming on. Nice one. Cheers, Jay. <laughs>